This is the Lunker Dog, and welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. We got the mullet run, braid sporting, and respooling all in a compact 20-minute episode right here on the Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Everybody, this is Captain Jeff. Welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. And let me wish you guys happy bait. Because it's happy bait time. Tropical storms are moving through. The bait's starting to gather up around Jacksonville and Savannah area. It's starting to push south. Coming to Fort Lauderdale. Best six weeks of the year. And I tell you, it's uh, pretty obvious it's the best six weeks of the year. Or at least my favorite six weeks of the year. Everybody knows happy bait season is the time to celebrate. Let's just pray we get some happy bait this year. Last uh, year, the... uh, mullet run was fairly poor but if you look on social media instagram and facebook right now i was just looking at a a buddy of mine's post up there or down there in the keys and he's just smoking the permit tarp and bonefish right now i know why it's because in coastal communities these six weeks are the slowest weeks of the year people go back to school football season starts people get back on their work schedule from up north and Florida and especially the Keys but Florida in itself you know finally gets a little break like a rest time and during that rest time guys like Alfano and Musso and a lot of the guides Justin Napier over there in the Naples area what happens is you see them posting And the reason you see them posting is because we're finally getting a break. A lot of the guides are fishing right now. A lot of the guys that have multiple years of experience that really know what they're doing are fishing right now. Taking advantage. And the industry is kind of not closed, but this is just the slowest six weeks of the year now. So this is when you take advantage. Years ago, you go back over a decade. I don't know, the end of June came and you would have all of July, all of August... And then September was like so dead slow, it was almost grueling. But today, we look forward to September and the beginning of October because you can actually get out on the town and drive without like crazy traffic. All the tourists aren't all over the place. I mean, just driving around town is somewhat enjoyable. You just don't feel like you're in a traffic jam the whole time. And that's going to end first week in November when the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show gets here. And it's going to end for the Keys the end of October. Halloween usually kicks it off when that place starts to explode again. But for the next six weeks, we can all settle in. The real guys out there can actually spend time doing real guy things. It's also the time where we're doing multiple beach trips checking the beach and the reason we're checking the beach is because the mullet run is going to start here soon and you want to be up and down the beach before everybody else you want to find out where the mullets are coming when they're coming how they're coming we start doing that now it's the only time of year where you're going to go to where i go to the beach anyway maybe a hundred times in a matter of 45 days i mean i'll go two three four times a day because you never know how that mullet run schedule is going to work and every year It seems that the mullet run gets shorter and shorter, and the whole bait migration gets shorter and shorter. So 
checking the beach intensifies. It's not like you can count on anything anymore. So beach checks, I mean, seriously, it's the only time of year where I'm able to get in the car without any traffic. From my house, I can go down to Fort Lauderdale Beach. I do what we call the loop. Loop takes me approximately 20 minutes this time of year. If I try to do the loop in January, around the holidays or whatever, that same loop will take me close to an hour. So even if I wanted to check the beach, there's just not enough time in the day to go down there and do the loop. And the loop's great because when you go down there, you get like two and a half miles of straight access view to open water on the beach. So if there's anything happening in that three mile radius, you can find it. But this six weeks, you can actually do that. Me and the kid get in the car and we'll count the number of license plates that are from out of state. I mean, you can see there's no license plates hardly from out of state. They're all Florida plates. The Florida people actually getting a breath of air before the onslaught of big people. I mean, seriously, we'll go, we'll double our population between now and the end of November here in South Florida. And you can tell, I-95, trying to go out to restaurants, trying to catch up with friends. It gets so friggin' hectic. And the people in the Keys, oh my God, dude, it's so different down there nowadays. The Keys is totally nuts. I mean, people everywhere, waits to get into restaurants, a place to eat, out of shrimp at the friggin' tackle shop constantly. It's easier for me to drive from here to say Fort Myers or all the way to the West Coast than it is for me to drive to the Keys. And if you want to drive to the Keys on, say, like a Friday evening, not a big deal if you're to take three or four hours just to get from Broward County down into the Keys. But not this six weeks. This, week's week, this six weeks, you can roll right down there. Not only can you roll down there, you can go to a boat ramp, and it'd be somewhat pleasant. There's people all over the place. The other thing, too, is you see the guides out there fishing by themselves, for themselves, before the onslaught of people come in November. I mean, it's unchanged, but not completely unchanged. I mean, social media has changed the mullet run in these six, this six weeks. And the reason I say that is it actually used to be more social before social media. What I mean by that is when you go down to the beach... The extraordinary amount of times that you go down to the beach this time of year waiting for the mullet run. You would see the other dudes that were really into the mullet run also doing bait checks. Or maybe you see them fishing or whatever. And it was time to be social. I mean, that's the time where you walked up to somebody and say, Hey, what's going on? What are you seeing? You know, how are things? Did you catch anything? That kind of thing. Which was always the point we made with happy bait i mean everybody's happy this time of year i think what's happened is people sit back and they just watch their social media and everybody else's social media kind of like spot stealing or whatever but they wait for somebody else to go down there and find the uh, bait they check it out on social media and then they go there so instead of getting in the car and having the experience of riding down to the beach during the best time of the year these fools are sitting home watching their computer and checking out all the guys that they know that are into the bait migration 
And instead of going down there, being social, getting out there like a real guy, they're watching their Instagram and they're watching their Facebook posts and their, I don't know, TikTok or whatever the heck they're into. And they're checking that more often about the bait instead of getting in the car and going down there. So that's kind of changed. The other thing that changed is like there's a lot less camaraderie on the beach during the mullet run nowadays. You see, when you saw somebody else that was into it like you, and they were down at the beach, and they were doing the real guy thing, riding up and down the beach, looking for the bait, looking for the pelicans. So you knew that guy was putting in the effort. You knew that guy was, you know, into it. So you felt like you had something in common. You felt like, hey, that's one real guy talking to another real guy, or at least watching another real guy. So you wanted to be social with that dude. I mean, heck, I can remember, I, well, I can't tell you, first of all, how many cool people, how many good fishermen I met during the mullet run in the old days because of the way the mullet run worked. Because you had to get in the car and go down there, because you would bump into one another, because you want to share information. Now, man, I'm, st like, I'm starting to wonder if I even want to like post the bait when it comes down. I mean, dude, we got to... Our, our best YouTube channel ever was the Mullet Run channel. Where we loved to celebrate and show the Mullet Run. But today, the way it is, I'm almost like thinking, do I even want to show people? Do I even want to let them know when the bait's coming down the beach? It's a different person. I mean, I made lifelong friends because of the Mullet Run. I can remember when guys used to book a hotel room on the beach for a week to 10 days just because they wanted to be there when the fish migration was coming by. No need for that anymore. All you got to do is creep up on everybody's Facebook account or, in, or Instagram account. But you see what I mean? It takes the camaraderie out of it. Like remove some of the pure integrity that went along with the mullet run. It makes you wonder, like, and then you see a guy fishing next to you, it's like, did he put in the work? Did he put in the effort? Does he appreciate what the mullet run's all about? What the bait migration's all about? Is he appreciating the six best six weeks out of the year? So you're kind of looking over your shoulder, you're looking at the guy next to you, like, is he one of those guys? A decade ago, you didn't have to do that. You knew that was a guy. Heck, we nicknamed those guys as happy baiters. We nicknamed probably a dozen dudes down there because we knew they were going to be there. We had the professor. The professor would throw plugs. He'd walk up and down the beach every single year and he'd be throwing a plug. And he had on these glasses and he had losing his hair a little bit. So we nicknamed him the professor. Then when there was this other dude that lived down there by Lagomar, he used to go down there every single year. He'd have this custom rod, and he had the uh, Van Stahl reel. First time I ever saw a Van Stahl reel was from this dude that lived down there by uh, Harbor Beach, and he would frequent the mullet run. And we nicknamed him Van Stool. Then we had Chicago Drew, who I met because of the mullet run. Lifelong friend now. If it's friggin' Instagram and Facebook, if I'd have went that route, I never would have met Chicago Drew. A lot of guys from the bait shop um, with Atlantic Bait and Tackle in the old days, you'd see them down there. 
So it was social. But I don't mean social media social. I mean social social. So you actually got to, you know, mix and mingle a little bit. So anyway, that's what I mean by the mullet run was more social before social media. You know, along with the big tarpon and the snooks and all that kind of stuff, it was also, I mean, the six weeks of the year was when sporting your braid actually started. Like, this is like original braid sporting happened before social media was so huge. And when people actually used to go to the beach physically and they would sport the piss out of their braid. Original braid sporting started this time of year. I mean, the whole idea of braid sporting, because the social media got taken so out of hand. Like, if you watched the original video about braid sporting, we're talking about it and making fun of it and everything, it was about sporting your braid. It was an argument about if you should use braid or not, if it was good or not, if it was better than mono or not. That wasn't the point. It was point that sporting your braid like, you shouldn't be sporting your braid. And back then, braid was expensive, and there was only a couple types of braid. And guys were going slap full. Slap full means they had the whole spool full braid. And they'd go down physically and sport that. Now, the, bra the braid sporting still goes on, but it's totally different now. There's so many different types of braids. Almost everybody uses it now. And... It's not near as cool to sport your braid like it was in the old days. When braid came out with pink and some other high-vis colors is when braid sporting actually peaked. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying nobody sports their braid anymore, but it's, you know, the peak of, of braid sporting is definitely over. It's too much of a commonplace. Speaking of braid, the one thing that I've been able to take advantage of with the braid. Now they come out with this high-vis braid that I can actually use at night. So it's much better for me. I'm actually doing a lot more braid than I ever have. But things have changed. Hooks are different. Leader's a little bit different. Braid's a lot different. Like you get all these different types of braids now. You got braid for casting. You got braid for deep, deep dropping. And anything in, in between, there's a braid that's kind of made for it now. It's not like the old days where the braid was actually the same and it tangled up like crazy. I mean, they have come a long way with braid. But the reason I use braid nowadays more often than not is so I don't have to re-spool all the time. Before I started, all right, here's, a, here's, a, here's the way I rolled my setup. I go about 150 feet of braid, top shot. And then underneath that, I'll have my monofilament. And the cool thing about that is it's cut down on my respooling time by like 90%. In the old days when I was using mono specifically, um, I mean, literally, I was respooling my tarpon rods at least once a week. I spent major hours doing respools. So braid for me has been good because now I pick up probably an hour or two of productivity a week by not having to re-spool all the time. Now, the big difference between now and then using the braid all the time, I use a lot softer rods now than I ever did to compensate 
for the um, for the lack of stretch in the line. So use a little bit softer rod now. And also too is I don't feed the fish. We use circle hooks all the time now. We pretty much rod holder the things. Rod bends over and the fish hooks himself. Which is a big change than say ten years ago. I can remember doing the show with Bill Dance and I'm trying to tell him to let the uh, fish eat the bait a little longer so we can get the hook set and we don't even do it like that anymore. We just leave the rod in the rod holder and the hook kind of does its own thing. But anyway, the braid sporting, the re-spooling, it's all about the six weeks of the year. And that's why we always did LunkerCon this time of year. It's because you knew you weren't going to be covered up with trips, so your opportunity costs weren't crazy. Other people, the good people, the real guys, the people that are actually into the sport, had the time and the energy to actually show up to a social event like LunkerCon. And I don't care if you were in Stewart, here in Fort Lauderdale, over in Tampa, any of the coastal communities. I want to say from, I don't know, we'll call it from New Jersey to Texas. And we had people come to LunkerCon from all those different places, and that's because the timing. We stick that in there. That's why I always say this is some of the best six weeks of the year. I'm going to Chukaluski with a good buddy of mine to do some fly fishing. So I'm pretty fired up about that. Last week, I was able to take a night and do a, almost an all-nighter going hunting for pythons with some good friends of mine that had been wanting to take me. And because I had the time, I was able to go. We're going to have a podcast coming up on that in a week or two. Man, that's going to be... That was a night I'll never forget. Out there creeping around looking for these giant pythons for hours in anticipation and then finally getting one. I actually got bit by the python. But anyway, we're doing a full podcast on that. Guys are coming over later tonight. We're going to do the recording. But because this is the best six weeks of the year, I had time to go out and do that python thing. I can't do that kind of stuff in the spring or in the winter. When we're doing trips every single day. I mean that would totally crush me for like for like days if I did that. So you got the Python episode coming up. I also doing a recording with A. B. Raymond. Old Florida kid, grew up on the beaches here, started his fishing career with Bouncer Smith, and uh Bouncer retired and now Abby's doing his own thing. So we're gonna do a recording with him. You can look forward to on the Real Guy podcast. So anyway, brief episode, the best six weeks of the year. Remember you heard it here on the Real Guy podcast, the podcast by Real Guys for Real Guys. Also, I want to thank you guys for all the support. Podcast has been growing by leaps and bounds. And it's just really good to know that um, there's an audience that actually wants to hear this stuff. So anyway... Stay tuned for the Python episode. If you didn't hear the Ghosts of ADOC, that was a great podcast I did with John Tenor, old-time local yokel here. Also, you know, keeping up with the environmental stuff. And John Lowe's from Clean Waterways. The reason I like the John Lowe's podcast is because that whole thing started when the sewage breaks happened and we did the protest. And a lot of good people got together 
John Lowe's with his protein skimmer actually came up with a real solution. And in my book, that's a win. So if you haven't listened to that one, I'm sure you'll find that one pretty interesting. And just good to know that some good came out of it. So enjoy the best six weeks out of the year. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Guy Podcast. This is Captain Jeff, a podcast for real guys, by real guys. And uh, run that dog.